Welcome to Abergavenny Baptist Church. Life, faith, together. So the Bible reading is from Matthew chapter 2 and then verses 1 to 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who is to be born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all in Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea they replied, For this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star that they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw their star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. They bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in the dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route." Now, everyone knows that a big part of Christmas is presents, giving gifts, receiving gifts. And, uh, you know, it's always been this way. Ever since the time you were a little child and you weren't able uh, to get to sleep on Christmas Eve because you were too excited, because you knew in the morning you were going to get presents. Adults will tell children that it's more about giving than receiving. But kids don't fall for that. Sure, later in life you discover that there is some joy in giving. But for a kid, it's definitely all about receiving, giving, getting gifts. And I can remember as a kid always just wanting to get chocolates. And every year my parents would give me socks and underpants. As I've got older, I've come to appreciate new socks and underpants. In fact, as you get older, all you really want for Christmas is a nice new pair of socks and underpants. And what do you get? Chocolates. (laughs) But everyone knows that a big part of Christmas is is getting gifts, receiving gifts. And and this makes it particularly stressful sometimes. Sometimes Christmas can be very stressful, uh, particularly if you're like me. And you know what I mean? I'm a last-minute Christmas Eve shopper. Now, unlike Victoria, who's already started buying presents in June, I start preparing, panicking, in fact, on the day of Christmas Eve as I start rushing around, hoping that someone will push Christmas back a week. And I end up buying all these very spontaneous, very expensive Not particularly practical, but at least I've got something. Gifts. 
And every Boxing Day, I say to myself, next year I'm going to start buying presents in November. But I never do. And so a big part of Christmas is gifting. And Christmas seems to be all about giving presents. But is Christmas all about giving gifts? No, Christmas is not all about giving gifts, but we do give gifts because it is Christmas. Christmas is all about celebrating the birth of Jesus, and one of the ways we do this is by giving gifts to each other. And as we go back to the Bible, we see that there was this group of people known as the Magi, the the wise men, who came and gave Jesus, the child Jesus, gifts. And so we read in Matthew chapter 2 in verses 1 and 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi, wise men from the east, came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We, we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. A couple of points to take notice of here. Uh, it starts off, firstly, it says, this all happened after Jesus was born. So unlike most nativity plays, which have the Magi arriving as soon as Jesus is born, this happened quite a long time after Jesus was born. He was probably about six months, maybe up to 18 months at this time. And then secondly, unlike the the well-known carol, we three kings of Orient are, uh, we don't know how many wise men there were. It's normally assumed, or has been assumed, that there were three because there were three gifts, but we simply don't know. There could have been two, or ten, or twenty. We just don't know. And then thirdly, they weren't kings. They were magi. They were wise men. Now, wise men, and in fact, the the, the phrase uh, magi from the east was a technical term for Babylonian and Persian priests. So these were pagan priests, and they were experts in astrology, experts in dream interpretation, and they used to study many ancient prophecies. And they believed that through their astrological calculations and through their studies of these prophecies and through their dream interpretations, they would be able to predict the future. And so it's not surprising that these wise men were advisors to the kings of the east, the kings of Babylon and Persia, for centuries. And so we read in in verse 2 that they went to Jerusalem, and when they arrived in Jerusalem, they asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. So while they were still in the east, while they were still in Babylon or Persia, that's modern-day Iraq and Iran, While they were still in the east, they saw this star, this special star, this unique star. And they came to the conclusion that this signified that the true king, the ultimate king of the Jews had been born. Now, we don't really know exactly what this star was. And uh, many people have uh, speculated and have different theories about what this star uh, was. And some believed that it was a brilliant conjunction of two planets, the planet Jupiter and Saturn. The planet Jupiter was the planet for kingship, 
And the planet Saturn was the planet for Jews. So a conjunction of the two equaled the birth of the king of the Jews. Others believe it was a comet, perhaps Halley's Comet, which did actually appear during the time of Jesus' birth. And others believe it was a supernova. But we don't know for sure exactly what it was, but whatever it was, God used the star to signify to these pagan priests that the true king, the ultimate king, the savior of the world, God himself had been born into the world. And so they traveled, most likely on camels, and most likely with a huge entourage of servants, all the way from Babylon and Persia, all the way to Jerusalem. So they saw the star in the east when Jesus was born, and then it would have taken them months and months and months to travel all the way there. And so they arrive at Jerusalem, the capital city, the most obvious place to find a newborn king, or so they thought, but as soon as they arrived, they discovered they were in the wrong place. And after examining some ancient prophecies from the prophet, the Jewish prophet Micah, they discovered that the, the birthplace of the true king would be in Bethlehem, which was only five miles further down the road. And so we read in verse 9, After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. So the star that had risen when Jesus was born in the east suddenly now reappears on their last phase of this journey. And then we read in verse 11, On coming to the house, they saw the child. Take notice, it says child and not baby. Uh, the child with his mother Mary. And they bowed down and they worshipped him. And they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Now, the Bible says that these were wise men. Wise men. It doesn't say that they were wise women. Right? You know what would have happened if they were wise women. Firstly, they would have arrived on time because they would have stopped to ask for directions. And secondly, they would have brought more appropriate gifts. They would have brought a casserole, some nappies, and a formula. I mean, what is a toddler going to do with gold, frankincense, and myrrh? What kind of gifts are these? Are these wise men, like me, you know, Christmas Eve day shoppers, uh, leave it till the last minute, and then rush out and find anything spontaneous? It doesn't matter how much it costs. Uh, it doesn't matter how useful it is. It's not particularly practical, but at least we got something kind of present. Is that what's happening over here? No. These gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, were extremely rare and precious in the ancient world. And therefore, they were very expensive. And therefore, they were appropriate presents, gifts, for a king. Now, it's unlikely that these wise men saw any more significance and meaning in these gifts other than the fact that they were highly appropriate gifts for a king. But Christians throughout the centuries have seen a, a deeper symbolic meaning within these gifts. 
So firstly, gold. Within the Bible, gold was a symbol of kingship. And by giving Jesus gold, they were acknowledging that Jesus is the king. Not a king, but the king. The king of kings and the Lord of lords. He was the king of the whole universe, the king of the whole cosmos. He's even the king of these pagan empires. And by coming and giving Jesus Firstly, coming before Jesus, bowing down and worshipping and giving him gold, they were acknowledging not only that Jesus is the king of the whole universe and the cosmos, but Jesus is the king of their life. No longer my will be done, but your will be done. And then secondly, frankincense. Within the Bible, the frankincense was a symbol for priesthood. When you would burn frankincense, it would... uh, Produce the sweet-smelling fragrance. And so the priests used frankincense within the temple worship. By giving Jesus frankincense, they were acknowledging that Jesus was the true and ultimate priest who would connect us to God and bring us into God's presence. And frankincense also had healing properties. And so Jesus is the, the true priest who would bring healing, inner healing. And then thirdly, myrrh. In the Bible, myrrh was a symbol of death. Myrrh was a perfume, but it was also used to embalm dead bodies. And so by giving Jesus myrrh, they were acknowledging that Jesus had ultimately come to die for us. Jesus had ultimately come to die for us so that we could experience forgiveness and healing and so that we could experience eternal life. And so they gave him three gifts, the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But there's another gift within the story, and it's far greater than the gift of gold and frankincense and myrrh. In fact, it's the greatest gift ever given. And it's the greatest gift you have ever been given. And it's God's gift to you. And this gift is this baby, this child, Jesus. What's so special about this child? What's so special? I mean, he's not even living today on earth, but he lived 2,000 years ago. So what's so special about this child? Well, in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 23, it says, The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When God gives us this child, this baby, as a gift, God is giving himself to us. The father of Jesus is not Joseph. The Father of Jesus is God the Father. And through this gift, Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus is God with us. God enters into our world. God walks onto the pages of human history. God becomes a human. God becomes a a baby who is vulnerable and dependent. 
The very hands that, that, that had formed the, the stars at the beginning of time now reach up for a cuddle. The very one who sustains the whole cosmos now needs to be cleaned and changed. And this is God's gift to us. God gives himself to us. And he gives himself as a baby. What does this tell us about ourselves? If God would give us this gift, if God would give himself, himself in such a way to us, what does that say about who we are, who I am? Well, it says to me that I'm not just some meaningless speck. I'm not merely a collection of atoms. It says to me that I have intrinsic worth and value. That God loves me this much. He really must love me to give himself in this way. And God gives himself to you because he loves you. Nobody is a nobody to God. In John chapter 3 and verse 16, it says, For God so loved the world. That he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. There was a guy who, who started working in London. And after he'd been working in London for a while, he, he took all of his salary, took all of his savings and used that to buy a ticket to fly back to Australia for a weekend. By the time he had got through airport security in Sydney, he had five hours before he had to return to the airport to check in to get his return flight. Why did he make the journey? To see his girlfriend. What did that say to his girlfriend? It says, I love you and I care for you. He could have written a letter. He could have sent an email. They could have had a Skype call. But that would never have said enough. So he gave himself. And that said it all. God gives up far more and travels far further than this guy. He left the very throne of heaven and traveled to a Middle Eastern manger. Why? Because he loves you and he cares about you. He could have written a letter, but that would never have been enough. So he gave himself and that said it all. How should we respond to this gift? How should we respond? Well, firstly, take note that there is absolutely nothing, absolutely nothing we can do to earn this gift. God has already given you this gift. 
God has already come and died for you. God already loves you. There's absolutely nothing you can do to earn this gift. How do we respond to a gift? Simply have to receive it. You simply have to accept this gift. So often in Christmas, we get so caught up with the wrapping, with the wrapping of Christmas, with the wrapping paper, that we miss the true gift. The true gift of Christmas is Jesus. Don't miss the gift. At Christmas time, we get so many gifts that we really don't need. But God gives us a gift that we can't do without. Don't miss the gift. And Christmas time is an opportunity to receive that gift, that gift of God, that gift that God gives of himself. It's an opportunity to receive forgiveness, forgiveness and freedom from past regrets. It's an opportunity to experience release from fear. People fear about so many things. They've got fear about the past, fear about the future. There's only one antidote to fear, and that's the perfect love of Jesus that drives out all fear. It's an opportunity to receive healing, inner healing that only comes from the presence of God and the love of God and the peace of God in your life. Don't miss the gift. This Christmas season is an opportunity to receive the gift. How do we practically receive the gift? Well, simply praying that prayer of asking God to come into your life. Asking God to fill you with his presence and his love. Why don't you pray that prayer this Christmas time? Is there anything we can give God in response to his gift of himself? I mean, is there anything we can give back to God? Is there anything that we can give to someone who literally already has everything? There's only one gift you can give to someone who literally has everything, and that's your heart. As the, the Christmas carol in the bleak, the last verse in, in the bleak midwinter, it states, what can I give him as poor as I am? If I were a shepherd, I would bring a lamb. If I were a wise man, I would do my part. Yet what can I give him? Give my heart. You can give your heart. You can come before that Christ child like the wise men, and bow down and worship and acknowledge that he is Emmanuel, God with us. And you can acknowledge that he is the true king, the king of kings, and he's the king of your life. Not my will be done, but your will be done. How are you going to respond to God's gift of himself? Are you going to give God your heart this Christmas? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just stand in awe and wonder at the 
the miracle of Christmas, that you love us so much that you give yourself. You could have sent a letter. You could have sent an email. But that would never have said enough. So you gave yourself, and that says it all. Father, we stand in awe and wonder of that truth. Father, help us to be like those wise men, to come before you and bow down and worship at your feet, acknowledging that you are Emmanuel, God with us, that you loved us so much that you became a vulnerable baby. You identified with us and that you want a relationship with us. Father, we pray that we wouldn't let this opportunity this Christmas pass us by without receiving the gift. Help us not to be caught up in the wrappings of Christmas, but to come to receive the greatest gift of all, the gift you give of yourself. We ask this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about Abergavenny Baptist Church, please visit our website at abergavennybaptist.co.uk.